Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So we've been talking, well, we've been doing a series, Pastor Dave's uh, series, God Unveiled. God unveiled. So we talked, or Pastor Dave did a teaching about the Trinity, one of those blow your mind concepts as a Christian. Three persons, distinct and inseparable, but one. The Trinity is diversity and unity, which is kind of cool. And that's, yep, that is what I want. Thanks. And that God wants the church to look like that, wants the church to be unified and the church to be diverse, reflecting the Trinity. Last week, Pastor Russ talked about God being relational. He wants a relationship with all mankind. That's kind of why he created them. Not only, not only to love them and to have a relationship with them, but so that they would be his image on the earth. So that was last week. For those listening on the podcast, I don't want to get in trouble. But my name is Jasmine. I'm one of the pastors here at C3 in Revelstoke, and we're really glad you've tuned in. I often forget to tell you who I am. Um, my topic today is about the goodness, or I shouldn't say the goodness, the giving of God. The nature of God is to give. And what he, he's, he's generous to us. So the title of my message is called The Extravagant Giver. I never remembered to do a title, so I did this week. Woo. All right. I'm going to read this to you as if, as if God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is saying this to you, okay? So just, just listen as if this is a message from him. Ask and you shall receive. I am a good father, and I long to give my children good gifts. Maybe you have forgotten to ask lately or thought that you didn't deserve more, but I want to lavish you with the gifts of heaven. I know the dreams that you once had and those that still remain on the shelf. Allow me to rekindle the hopes and desires within you. Without vision, people perish. It's time to dream even bigger. Ask for more. Keep asking like a child who continuously comes to the Father, asking again and again. Come with boldness. Come with faith and expectancy. Like Solomon asked for wisdom and received riches as well, I want to give you the things you don't even dare ask for. Come to me with every request of your heart. And although I already know your request, your deepest longing, share them with me again. Ask once more. That's the heart of God. You can never make him tired of listening to you. He's never tired of like, oh, here she comes again. He's not thinking that ever. He's never thinking she's asking me again. He's thinking, good girl. Good guy, ask me again. Oh, I missed a page. We really value the Bible in this church, in all our, in all our locations. And we're just one of three. We have a location in Kelowna and in Vernon. But we really value the Bible. And so a lot of the things that I'm going to say, I have multiple scriptures, and they're not all the scriptures that would pertain to the topic. But I want you to, to realize this, that the Bible says 
that the live that the word of God, the Bible, is a living thing. I think I talked last week about you know how processed food is not living, and that you know vegetables are living. Well, most most are, um, and that there's you know um, you can see those heads of lettuce that have the roots on them in the grocery store. They tell you this is living lettuce. Well, the word of God is a living food for your spirit, and so when I read the Bible to you today, the Holy Spirit's gonna bring insight to you, and it's gonna be a real good connection to to understanding the heart of God in this topic of giving, okay? About the giving nature of God. So the first scripture I'm going to read to you, and I'm not, there's not a million PowerPoint slides. I'm just reading them to you because I want you to recognize how repetitive it is in the Bible about the natures of God. And we're talking just about one of his natures, which is that he's a giver. First, second Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself. First Peter says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself is speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Everything you do will bring glory to God. That's the whole thing about the Christian life, giving glory to God. I just want to pray just for a minute. God, we come to you as your people hungry to be like you. And I just pray that this morning as we just talk a, a little bit about some of these gifts you've given us, that you will open the hearts of the people to understand the revelation of what the Bible says and to hear the whisper of your voice that you have good things for us. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we receive the truths from the Bible, that we would believe them and we would take hold of them, knowing that they are, they are good for us and they are truly reflecting who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So if he knows how to give, give, give good gifts, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to you? Because he is giving out of a pure heart. And it just, and he says, how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts to those who ask him? There's also another YouTube video of his, how he rescued a hundred dogs. It's very heartwarming. You might want to read that. Our text is Genesis 1. We talked about God creating man in his image. And um, in uh, Pastor Dave was kind of, trying to get across to us that he made man in our likeness, like similar, diverse, like the Trinity. And he said, and let man have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God blessed them, granting them a certain authority. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and put it under your power. Subdue the earth and rule over it, dominate it, the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. So God said, behold, I have given you every plant. So he's given us everything that yields seed on the surface of the entire earth. And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to all the animals on the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that moves on the ground, to everything in which there is breath of life, I have given everything to you. And it was so. God did that in one day, six day, done. Go God, creating on the sixth day. 
So this is just the beginning of God's instructions about what he's given to us in, in Genesis. I don't really think that we really understood it then, or even that Adam and Eve understood it, but God was giving him his authority to do the work on the earth. And I'm going to talk about three different things. First thing, God gives dominion to man. In verse 26, let him have complete authority. Um, yeah, the Old Testament, or the King James Version, which is one of the original translations from the Greek and Hebrew, says God um, wants man to subdue the earth or to reign in the earth. He wants us to take care of the earth as if we were God. That's how we got the dominion of God. So please look after the earth, all these things that I've given you, as if you were me. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty empowering. Tilling the ground, yep, Adam sinned and he got sent out of the garden and he had to work for his food, but he still had dominion in that. And he had to take care of the plants, he had to take care of the animals, he named all the animals. God liked how he did it, because it was good, and he said so. Subduing the earth means harnessing its resources as well as protecting them. One woman, Meredith Klein, says, God's making the world was like a king planting a farm or a park or an orchard into which God put humanity to serve the ground and to look after the estate. So how do you think we're doing with this job of dominion on our part of the earth? Yeah, I think we're doing, you know, we're doing what we want, aren't we? And of course, a lot of people making the big decisions aren't necessarily God followers, but I'm sure there are some God followers. But if we really knew and we really taught that we were given the stewardship of the earth like God intended, we would probably make a lot of different decisions environmentally. But God isn't just talking about environmental requirement. The Bible said, the scriptures that I read to you said everything that has life. So how would the king, how would Jesus like us to, to look after everything that has life. He's given us dominion. And what does he want from us? In Psalm 72, it's talking about the rulership of Solomon, but it's also talking about us. Help us judge your people in the right way and let the poor always be treated fairly. Help us to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy, and to crush their oppressors. This is the language of God wanting kings to look after their subjects. So it's also a language for us because of the word dominion, which is similar to the ruling words for kings. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. That's us. We will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. We feel pity for the weak and the needy, and we will rescue them. We will redeem them from oppression and violence, for their lives are precious to us. So it's a great value on life and great value on the less fortunate. You know, the Bible doesn't ever say that we'll never have the poor and needy. It says we will have them always. So it's not something that we could say, oh, that's their job or, or we're done that job. It's always a job. So when there, is, when there are things that need taken care of, we're given the authority of God Get it done. Take care of that person. I'll show you what to do and how to do it. It's part of our dominion mandate, not just to look after the earth, but to look after people. Right? Second thing, God gives us his authority. We use this authority to perform the job of dominion. 
So we've been given the job description of dominion, but we need the authority to do the job. Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Jesus is saying to them, he has all authority. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Here Jesus is outlining further job description about dominion. Go. Because of his authority, he is giving us his authority in that command, go. Now we have his. Make disciples, baptize them in the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus is our authority. Teach these new disciples how to live, how to obey the commands. Now, authority and power get mixed up. But I'm just going to read to you from Matthew 8 about the story of the Roman centurion which if you grew up in church, you might remember that. <clears throat> when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word. From where you are, my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, and come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those that were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. A man who, who knew and understood the authority that he had, and he knew that Jesus' authority would do the same. And Jesus is giving us his authority, like I read to you, and he said, go and make disciples. Jesus has all the authority, and Jesus is the final say, right? We, um, we represent him. But he chooses to empower or delegate his authority to us, so we re represent him, and we get stuff done in his authority, not in our own strength. Jesus chose to do this for us. So he didn't have to give us his authority. He could have just made us like slaves, but he wanted us to be like sons, he wanted to have us to have all that he has, so he chose to give us his authority. And by doing this, he has made it possible for us to powerfully represent him. If you think about that, you powerfully represent God. The definition of authority, the power or right to give orders, to make decisions and enforce obedience. That's a lot. But we have that, and he gives us the authority. God gives it to us. And with this authority, the Bible says in John 14, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to God the Father. So we're doing works for Jesus. We're doing the things that Jesus is directing us to do so that we can bring glory to God. We're not doing it for our own position. We're bringing glory to God. And this is the assurance that we have in approaching God, that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears it. So when you hear people praying um, in Jesus' name, that is them invoking their authority verbally. You know, when you, um, you know, the old thing when you told you to do it because I'm your mom. Do as I say. Just do it. 
well, I don't want to do it, you know. But with Jesus' name, we have his authority to his authority to command obedience in the spirit realm. To take a hold of truth and to speak it over somebody or speak into a situation. He's given us that same authority. I listened to um, a gal and she was talking about taking authority over the weather. Like, what? Don't we take authority over the weather? But if we believe what the Bible says, Jesus commanded the wind and the waves, and if we have his authority, then we should be able to command the wind and the waves. So Russ and I were on a trip in the uh, fall, went to Cran Cranbrook, yeah, and we were driving there at night, and it was a and it's an older road, it's not four lanes, and it just started to hail. Just, it just was pouring, and it was so dark, and there was deer on the side of the road, and it was kind of freaky. I just decided, I said, in Jesus' name, that's enough. And Russ goes, oh, I take that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding. It stopped, it stopped. I have done it since, and it hasn't stopped. Just saying, but then it did stop and it made me think the kindness of God just by having faith in what he says. We had to practice our faith, right? We got to practice. So I practiced and it was kind of frightening because it was hard to see and it did thin out and we were able to see and it was good that we finally got there. It was very dark. So I'm just saying we use the name of Jesus not like um, to torture you know, ourselves in that it's disappointing, but we use it in obedience to God because he says this is who we are. It's not necessarily something that we do. It's something we are, the authority of Christ. And that's a big concept to grasp. The dominion over the earth, yeah, I get that. Helping the, the poor and needy, I get that. But to have the authority in the name of Jesus acting in my life, in who I am, I gotta practice that. So God gives us his power. And like I said earlier, um, authority and power are sometimes used interchangeably. And so uh, I was struggling to do this message. And thankfully, I have my own resident theologian who is helping me. And Pastor Russ explained power to me like this. And I think you'll like it. A truck is headed towards me, and I have no power to stop it on my own. But if I get a stop sign in hand, and I'm standing in firefighter gear, because he was a firefighter, I now have the authority to have power to get the truck to stop because I'm in my authoritative place. So power, the ability to wield force, a capacity to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. That's a huge mandate too, isn't it? Huge. The Bible says clearly, like I read earlier in Matthew 28, that Jesus has all authority. He's given it to us. But let's look at Ephesians 1. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Let me just read that again. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is blow your mind stuff. But if we believe the Bible, we got to believe all the Bible. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, all glory to God, again, the purpose of us using our authority and our dominion and our power, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. So because we've surrendered our lives in, in, to Christ as Christians, 
we have access to this power. And God wants to work in our lives infinitely more than we think. Which is, again, rather broad. Right? Colossians 1, 29. That's why I work, Paul says, and I struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So it's not necessarily power so I can be Superman, but it's the power of God so that I can bring glory to God doing the works of God because his power is working in me to make it possible to do the works of God. God recognizes that we are dust. We are just flesh. We get tired. We have to sleep. We have to eat well. We have to do these things. But it doesn't mean that he's not going to still require of us to do his works, to do the things that he wants done on the earth. And that's why it's so good to know we have his power. We have the strength that comes from God. When we call out to him, and he gives it to us. Or we have walked and practiced so much in it, we know we have it, that we can do those things even when we're feeling weak. Key scripture that a lot of us don't, really cling on too much is when we are weak and God is strong because we are really told socially be strong go to the gym you know we have reasons to go to the gym other than being strong but you the whole society the western world is telling you independence be your own person you can do it you can have it all this this and this and yet the bible is clear that you're not going to have a life without difficulties and hard decisions and times where you feel weak and in need of support. And it's very clear that it, there's no low range of Christians. It's very clear in the Bible about that, that we need each other. So we need this power to work within us so that we can do the things of God. And I read earlier, by his divine power, so by the power of God, he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. You don't got to go to Savon and find it. He's given it to you. The word of God is all the truths that we need and working and living in a body of believers and praying together and growing together supplies the things and encouragement along the way so that we can have all the things to live this godly life. I think we, we bit the wrong apple when we think about the solo Christian, right? It's, it's not what the Bible says at all about being a Christian. His power works in us and through us. Whatever deficiency you may experience in your life, whatever weakness you think you have, and your pursuit of godliness, however you think you are along the way, it can be overcome and supplied to you through God's power because his power is made perfect in weakness. The power of God is essential for every facet of Christian living. It's, it's important on the job. Really need the power of God on the job. You can't make decisions really ultimately well without the power of God in decision making. It might look good to your logic. Yeah, I think we should do this. But if you seek God and ask him, he might say, actually, I'd like you to do that. And out of that comes a greater reward. We need him to parent, right, parents? We need the power of God to parent, to discern how to help our kids to discern what's really going on. You know, I remember our, one of our girls, she was crying all the time. The boys would be like, why is she crying now? She was crying, and I didn't know why she was crying. She was crying over little things, and I had to seek the Lord, like, God, what is going on with this girl? I'm just like, why is she crying? Why is she up in the night? Why does she want to talk to me all the time? Why is she waking me up? Like, all those things. But I had to seek God, and the, the, the um, 
the Holy Spirit showed me what it was. And I was like, oh, and it was a deep thing. And I had to seek God more to how am I going to help her with this deep thing? And we were able to help her and get her through some things. But without God, I wouldn't have known what to do. I'd have just been ticked off because I haven't had any sleep. But God cares about that. And that's why we have his access to his power and his authority. So that we can do things well and that we can help those in need. Okay? That was just an offhanded example. Anyways. What's the ultimate gift? The gift of Christ, right? To us on the earth. Last week, Pastor Russ talked about Christ coming. He made a way to get men and women back into relationship with himself. So when Adam and Eve were removed from the garden and sin was a part of the world then, God was already thinking, how can I make this relationship? How can I restore it again? I liked how it was, and they goofed it up. How can I fix this? Even back then, God was forming his plan to send a human to conquer death. His own son became flesh for us. His death and resurrection ended the serpent's work. What an incredible gift. So we talk as Christians about eternal life. You know, the world doesn't talk about eternal life. They think that's the end. Unless you have certain religions, think you might come back reincarnated. I don't want to do that. I like our version. The truth says that he is the way, the truth, and he is life. And he offers us eternal life. So though our body might die, our spirit will live on. And we are made of three parts, right? As we talked earlier. No longer will we be headed for death, but eternal life is available to us now. The well-known scripture, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that everybody who believes in him would not have death as their destiny, but have eternal life. And God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. Through him. That's a big thing to remember. There's a lot of people out there that think that church is all about judging and that Jesus is all about judging. Well, his purpose in coming was not about judgment, but about salvation, about eternal life, about a better way to live. Romans 5 says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, and maybe some would be willing to die in place of a good person. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were still sinners. We're not good. Remember after um, the video, I said, Matthew 7 says, How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? That's what this is about. These are great gifts. Christ, the ultimate gift, like eternal life, shared with Christ, being in his presence, I mean, let's go. How amazing. But we have a mandate on earth first. His authority, his name and power. Let's apply faith, which means a little tiny bit of belief. You might have more faith, but even if you have a little belief in God and believe that he loves to give good gifts, We can make a change in the earth by taking what he has given and using our rights to rule to bring glory and honor to God. Let's not think less of ourselves when we feel weak because we have the power of God 
at work in us. He is our strength. And he gives us power to perform miracles. He gives us power to make disciples, to baptize people. You know, when we, when, if you've ever attended a baptismal um, service, when we put people under the water, they're saying goodbye to their old self and coming up as, uh, out of the water as a testimony of this is a new day. This is new life in Christ. But when we put them in there, we always say in the name of the Father and of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. We say it with the authority that Jesus has given us because he said, go and baptize them. And that's why we say that. Because we're taking his authority, and they're going in the water, and they're coming up new. It's like a public, a public display. That's why we do that. And he gives us authority over the enemy of our souls. You know, there are some, some people that I know that there's just a swirl of awful things that always seem to happen to them. You might know some of those people. There's just like chaos is around them and they don't even seem to flinch. Oh, you know, it's like bad luck Schlepprock. Does anybody know that guy? He always brought bad things, always happened to him. And, you know, if anything, if anything's gonna happen to me, it's gonna be the worst, you know, he's always the negative guy. Well, that's totally what the enemy wants you to think. But if you look at yourself now as created in the image of God with dominion and power and authority, you can say to those things, that's enough in Jesus' name. I'm not partnering with that. And not, none of these bad things are going to continue because I have the authority of Christ. And I'm not deserving of curses. And bad things don't need to be happening to me all the time. But if you don't have an understanding of what you got from God already, you're not going to think about those things. You're just going to put a Band-Aid on it and get going, keep going. But when we have the authority of Christ... And we practice, may I say that again, we have to practice our authority. So that means we have to be in situations where we need to assert our authority and let God deal with the situation or whatever. Like I give you a few examples of situations. Um, those are the things that will make us strong and confident in who God says we are. Because you're not weak, you're just a human being, but you have all the power from God. And it is God's will that we give to others what he has so freely given to us. Let's be an extravagant giver. So what we're, we're learning about this, and we want others to know what they've got when they, when they come in to, to have a relationship with Jesus. We want them to know that they have the authority of Christ. Uh, they, have, they have all the things that the king has given to Jesus, and Jesus has given to us. You know the, um, the signet ring thing in the older, older uh, years of kings and that you would use the king's ring and you would have his authority. Well, you got the king's ring. We all got the king's ring. We have his authority. Let's make it a matter of prayer to be asking God how we can see what he sees in the earth and be willing to act from our God-given authority and rulership for the benefit of the earth and everything that has life and breath in them. And I'm going to pray in just a minute for you to have the sight of God, to see the situation that you need to step into with your ring, with the authority of Christ, so that you will recognize where authority needs to take, be stepping into, and that you could say, in the name of Jesus, by his authority, I'm praying this way.
Start there. So, my last scripture is, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a joyful thing. It's a great thing in, in linking arms with Christ and being his representative on the earth. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.